Greetings and salutations. I hope your day is both tranquil and fulfilling. I am Athanasius, and welcome back to the podcast of the Boldly Immortal. Today might be a little bit different. Um, I've had to wrestle with something, you know, do, do I be consistent and consistently release on Tuesdays, or do I just trust that the audience that looks for this podcast is going to find it anyway? Um, I kind of banked on the latter. But usually, when I make these podcasts then, uh, I'm coming on on a Tuesday, and I'm kind of coming into a chill mood, and I come to think and and meditate. Well, today, not so much. Because yesterday, rather than podcasting, I just couldn't. I couldn't get into it. I tried listening to the chill music and put on the headphones. And in the past, I've, I've mentioned how just sitting down and getting started can help. Well, it didn't help. And so I turned it off, listened to a bit of list, um, Franz Liszt, fantastic uh, pianist, um, just a great, great guy. Uh, and then I listened to a bunch of, of basically European metal, um, heavy metal, and particularly a band called Sabaton. If you have heard of them, you probably understand why. Um, if you haven't heard of them, Sabaton is a Swedish metal band who sings about warfare, and their songs are entirely about the the different battles of history and the combat and how it has evolved and, 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 and you know, the cost of war and the, the price of war and the heroes of war and all those glorious things of war. It's a great thing. You know, there's great music and great ideas and, and they really are, are relatively creative and it's, it's, it's quite impressive. Uh, they have a great lead singer. I was in a mood for that and, and it really helped. Um, and so right now I'm actually listening to some more of that. And, um, right now it's, uh, it's more of that same feeling that I just want to to embrace, and, and I don't quite understand why. But I'm going to keep embracing it, and I'm going to just kind of build off of it because I think there's a reason that, that I'm in this mood, and, and I think it's, it's this feeling of surrender that I feel surrounded by, and I don't know why. Well, I didn't know why. I didn't understand why I had this need to just embrace the 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 power of a good war song and and that that kind of came to a point today because I have uh, churches on church on Fridays and church on Fridays church on Wednesdays there we go it's a good thing I'm not a professional podcaster and you know there's a very small group of us here a close-knit close-knit little community and after church we had a little discussion about some of the other churches in our circuit and we're kind of wrestling with the, uh, the the fact that they don't want to be Lutheran, right? They don't want to hold to the traditions of the church that have survived for thousands of years. They think that in order to survive, the church has to stop being what the church has always been and be something different. Um, beats me why, and anybody who listens to this podcast should know that that is probably the last thing on my mind. Um, the, the farthest thing I could think of as actually a viable option would be, hey, um, you abandoned everything that you believed in and totally changed everything that you were doing 40 years ago. Uh, so you need to keep changing and that'll solve your problem. Um, keep changing away from what you were doing toward the things that are really not helpful. It's just stupid. It's really just stupid. Uh, but we had this, this big moment of just wrestling with these ideas and, and I kind of figured out what it was that that I was done with. And it was, I was done with pretending that I need to care about these people. Now, now 
hear me out. It's not that I don't need to love them because I do love them. But I'm sick and tired of taking the opinions of people who are wrong seriously because they're wrong. And so I'm not going to. If you think that the church needs to stop doing the worship that it has always done, where it prays the Psalms and it preaches the gospel and, and you have men leading worship as God intended it and wrote down in the Bible. So, you know, don't get on me for God intended it. Yeah, he did. He did. God is the father. And from him, all fathers have their fatherhood. And then God the son is the son. He's not the daughter. He's the son. It's men. It's about men. Now, this is not saying that women can't be Christians because they can be. It's not to say women can't commune, because even though it's not in the scriptures, I believe that it is a reasonable interpretation of the scriptures. It is to say that men must lead. Men need to stand up and hold their ground. And if anyone's going to stand up and hold their ground, it's going to be the men, because the women won't. Because you can move women, you can shift women by making times of current turmoil. Women are biologically built to manage the present and to ensure survival. And if you have a, a civilization that's run by women, therefore, all you have to do is push it into survival mode, and they will abandon anything that they held for the sake of survival. And sometimes that's important. Sometimes you need to adapt to a, a harsh situation. But ultimately, if you don't return, if you don't stand fast to what you've historically believed, you will get rid of it eventually. So for what is important, you need men to stand. And this is, again, not to say that women can't stand but civilizationally, you need men. You want to build a community that can, you know, that has women supporting it. You know, fine, good luck. It's not going to survive. I'll tell you that much. But, you know, heck, even a family that that tries to elevate women to the position of headship will will run into problems within two generations at at the very at the very most. I would say, um, you know, if you if you have experienced otherwise, fine, show me. But seriously, seriously. Um, Men need to lead. Men need to stand. And men need to be the ones who hold the front lines, who, who are out on the, on the fields fighting for your defense. And I think, I think we have in our society right now that very problem of we've elevated uh, women to, to the wrong positions and we've denigrated men from their rightful positions as, as, as God-given heads. And the thing is, I don't blame... Well, I'm a part of the Lutheran Church, uh, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. I don't blame our church body for having this struggle. And in fact, I'm impressed that we've fought as well as we have. And I'm really excited about where we're at right now because we are, we're going to win this fight in the long run. We're going we're gonna to stand fast because we have a culture of standing fast because we're Germans. We're not good at doing anything else but holding to what we've done. And we finally come to terms with that, I think, in the English language. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Let me unpack this idea a little bit more. The, the Second World War and the First World War did a number on society and civilization. In the First World War, if you were German in America, you were thought ill of. And, and they, they, there were not good relations at first, especially because a lot of German immigrants still spoke German at home. They still had it as their native tongue. They still worshipped in German. Many, not all, but many. And that starts to shift after the war because it was frowned upon. Because, oh, look at you, you're supporting the enemy, right? This is, yet again, why I think World War I was one of the stupidest wars. Because 
you know, as my, my father corrected me on one of the podcasts that uh, I, I put out previously, um, it, it was not started by Germany. It was started by Austria-Hungary, and Germany was pulled into it as, of course, of um, many, 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 many alliances and allegiances and what have you. And, and for some reason, the German rulers in, in, in places didn't like the other German rulers in other places because German rulers were everywhere, and it was basically one big family spat. The Germany wasn't the bad guy. They were just efficient and good at fighting. And they were looking for an empire because everybody else had one and they didn't. I mean, they tried to have one and it really didn't work out. And, you know, they tried Africa and it kind of worked, but didn't really. Anyway, the the German identity here where I am at in, in America was greatly undermined by this event. But that's just, you know, your language. Oh, yeah, that's just your language. That's the way you talk about God with your with your family. That's the way you teach them about the faith. So, yeah, just change that. Just stop doing that because, you know, people don't like you. Because they look at you weird because you speak German. They don't trust you because you speak German. Right, throw it away. Throw away your heritage and your culture and your people and your language. Language is so much more important than we gave it credit for. And losing it. Oh, what do you do when you lose your language? How do you talk about God when you don't know how to talk about God? Well, you, you look at how other people talk about God. You look at how other people talk about God and you listen to them and you see, hey, maybe we should do it that way because that's how they do it here in this language. And so we brought in presuppositions from the English language about how God works. The problem with that is Anglicanism is not even the major thing in America. It's, it's well, like weird American evangelical Baptist stuff, a revivalistic culture which constantly has to seek a new revival or else it, well, it collapses. And so it's always, always changing, right? This is, this is where the new idea comes from. Is it's, it's an American religion. It's a, a distinctively American branch, right? If you want to be constantly changing, um, do, do an American-style church. If you want to stand on something firm and unchanging and, and that is technically correct with all the technical details, just do, do German, right? Look, look to Germany because German language is very good at that. English is a fluid language and America is a fluid place for a fluid language. England itself, it could work, right? This is a side tangent about the English language and language in general. When you keep English, the English language on the island of, of Britain, it kind of works because there are limitations that you know about. Like you could walk to the ocean and then you're done. So there are fundamentally limitations on what the language could do. But when it spread across the world, suddenly you had a very different dynamic. Um, one of the things that made makes Germany, German dangerous is that it is a, a technical language. So it requires perfection. It requires specificity. You know, that I do fundamentally believe that the, the language embraces characteristics of the people. And the people who embrace the language embrace the characteristics of that language. And so the German church in America changed when they embraced the English language and they didn't frankly know how to do it well. And they've had to discover it. And we have been fighting a massive war about having to figure that out at the same time that there are other movements going on. For example, the the higher critical methods are going on in the universities where they're doubting. They're basically like, well, the Bible couldn't really be saying the truth, so we're just going to ignore it. The fundamental doctrines that we believe, we're just going to pretend that they could not be true, that God did not create the world ex nihilo in seven days, right? We're just going to throw that away. 
because yeah, well, we can. Oh, we know better now. We've we've studied the rocks, and the rocks say that they are old, and it couldn't be that God made them old. It has to be that they existed at the same pace they do now. Right. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You, you truly, you have a dizzying intellect. No. Maybe the scriptures are just true, right? But again, how do you confront this? It's in a language you don't understand. And then the language you do understand is where it's coming from, right? The continent of Germany was was the source of a lot of these, these ideas. German higher criticisms. Combine with this. Oh, this is just, this just gets, keeps getting better. The French intellectuals and their undermining of sexuality. Oh, yay. As if the German wasn't enough. Now the English language is adopting these other ideas that have now infested our culture. And, you know, oh, maybe we should have women pastors. No, no, you shouldn't. That's not what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible explicitly says that's not allowed. Oh, but right. We don't have to believe the Bible. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're ending up with a massive concoction of trouble here. Oh, wait, we're not done. There's more. Because world wars had another side effect. And this, is, this was the human cost. Human capital lost. And, and not just any hu- old human capital. The best, the best died. If you're in World War I, you're used to, to you know, the, the ideas of honor and valor in combat. right? Where you charge forward because it's good for you. Men were slaughtered wholesale coming over those, those uh, trenches. If you, there's a reason they called it No Man's Land. But they didn't know that at the beginning. There's a great album by Sabaton, that, that metal band I brought up earlier, about World War I. And the, first, the first song in that album is about tanks, the birth of tanks, and when they first arrived. And, and it is glorious, and it's, it's powerful, and it's evocative of magnificent terror that suddenly you have. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Imagine a world without cars, with no cars, right? They're gone. Or, or, you know, maybe a few of them. But but in your own personal life, there are no cars. You have occasional horses. Or imagine in our current world, right, there's no giant mech- mechanical robots. And then suddenly, out of the trench opposite you, you see, right, a giant Voltron force robot arising and, you know, stepping out. Or Pacific Rim, if that's your better analogy. Or Mecha Godzilla. You see this giant robot thing coming at you, and it's like you're right in its way, and it's going to crush you to pieces. That's tanks. That's what it was. It was, it was terrifying. Now, they broke down because they were, you know, kind of a new invention, but it changed war. It changed war. It was terrifying. You see horrors you've never seen before. And... If you are a brave and bold man and you go to die for your country, you will die. And the other side won't care. They won't respect you. They'll think you're an idiot, in fact. And so who wins? Who survives? The men who survive are the ones who are brave enough to go to war and smart enough to cower in their holes. And, and lucky enough not to be told by somebody above them, here, go sacrifice your life because we want this objection, objective. It changes things. It really does. And and the, the cost of that in terms of the quality of men that you have left over is, is devastating. So think about what the church went through. Good men who, who at home probably were, were not thought well of because maybe they spoke German, uh, go to war where their German might actually be helpful because, hey, they can, you know, interpret. Maybe, that's, maybe there's some good stuff there. Um, 
or at the very or maybe they they don't have particularly good trust with their with their buddies and they uh are only able to survive if they cower in their holes with their buddies and and don't stand up for anything don't stand fast for anything i mean this is this is antithetical to what they what their culture is historically and it's really got to be hard it's really got to be hard um if you were in something like the air force well you could still fight in the old way uh, you know the the Red Baron is is a legend because he basically was the, that hyper competent guy who went and took risks and you know another great song off of that album is about the Red Baron you know he you know he's he's smoking and he still shoots down his enemies because because he's going to win right brilliant brilliant man um, fought uh, n- new combat quite well and, and then just happened to be good at at dogfighting so yeah he's he's a great fighter. Um, there were there were opportunities there, um, and and yet you know that's not the tradition. That's not where the most people went. That's not where your ground troops went. You lost a lot of good men because they stood up and they stood tall, and they stuck their head out and got shot. And that builds in your culture the expectation: don't stick your head out, you're going to get shot. Don't stand up for anything, you're going to get shot. If the culture tells you, well, women can be pastors now. Oh, just just keep your head down. That's you know, the, the the authorities have spoken. That's your job. If you want to survive, trust them. Trust them, because they're your only hope. I mean, this is a this is a consequence of war. This is the consequence of a scarring of a people because they, in their modernistic hubris, thought to you know perfect the world through through machines, and it, it, it caused their downfall. It caused the catastrophe of. Unperce- of, of un- unprecedented magnitude. That's the word I'm looking for. Unprecedented chaos as the inevitable outcome of an atheistic, rationalistic worldview elevating man's reason above God himself. And, and its outcome was the massive chaos that we saw in, in Europe for the First and Second World Wars. And then it spread... Um, and its consequences, uh, you know, people reacting against it with yet more atheism, I would argue, are, are greatly responsible for communism, which, frankly, was another mass atrocity, except it's against one's own people. So now now you get this this massive, massive warfare against your own because you fundamentally believe it's okay to exterminate them. And it's just it's just miserable. It really is. The cost, again, in terms of a culture, right? Now let's go through it. You lose your good men. And whoever's left over comes back to lose their language, to try and teach the faith as they're under fire from ideas from their home, right, from their heritage at least, as the culture around them shifts, as the people in power shift, as the promise that they came to, that their parents came for, collapses under their feet and now there's the red scare and you're terrified everybody you know don't trust your neighbors they might be a they might be a communist and some of them were but you know that's that's the point what's the point fear everywhere and just just fall in line it's better than the alternative just fall in line just trust the plan trust your leaders it's okay well you know what there was some latent good in the society and don't hear me saying it was all bad and those who stood strong, God bless them. God be praised for them. Where are we at now, though? 
we need to we need to we need to really really be honest with ourselves where are we at now because now we're sufficiently far into the use of the english language that we don't have to be uber precise with it anymore like good germans we can understand that english is a is a very very fluid language and i can say certain things in english that sound provocative but are technically true and i can say things that are technically not true but are actually true that's one of the problems with english Right? Where, where the, the truth isn't in the word itself, it's in the implication created. It's in the image conveyed by the word. Germans don't necessarily like that. It's not good for the German language. Well, I'm sorry, I don't speak German. I'm an American. I speak English. And I am a Christian, and I'm going to speak that English to speak the truth. And I'm going to do what I can to, to, to use the gift of this language for what it is intended for, that, that I don't have to always be technically correct, and yet I have a duty to speak the truth. And I have a lot of tools at my disposal to do that. And my enemies are so confused because they don't even understand their own words that they can't hope to compete. In other words, I've been given the gift of a language that inherently confuses those who do not know what they're standing on. And I know exactly what to stand on. And I know to stand up. You know what? Shoot me down. At this point, I don't care. Better to die for the faith. Why? Because now I'm not. Now it doesn't mean nothing, right? Maybe they'll. Maybe they will memory hole me. But I have friends. I have family who will remember me. I have people who care. And I'm gonna keep building a community that that matters. I'm gonna keep influencing people in my community to to do good and to serve their communities, to to love one another and be steadfast in their faith. That will be a legacy if I can continue to do that, not by my own power and will, but simply because the word of God will endure to the end of time. I had this, this conversation today and I, the, you know, about, you know, what, well, should we, you know, oh, look at all these poor you know, people who are abandoning the Lutheran doctrine and, you know, they're, they're leaving behind the liturgy and they're moving. It's like, no, fine, fine. So be it. God's Catholic, the God's universal church will endure until the Lord returns. That is his promise. I intend to build on that promise, to trust that promise, to live with that confidence, to know that even if I die, the faith will endure. So I might as well build on that faith. I might as well encourage others in that faith so I can see them when time is over. So I can see them when the world ends. That is my intention. I'm going to keep this fight going. I'm going to wage this war, right? Wage the beautiful war, the glorious war of faith, standing steadfast. And take they my life, goods, fame, child, wife, let these all be gone. They have yet nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. Let's believe it. Let's sing it like we mean it. We do at least once or twice a year, but what if we what if we actually believed the other things we sing, right? I, I've started appreciating that. You know, like look, the good Lord has provided for my for my in- encouragement, good old women and good old men to sing like good old women and good old men. Um, God be praised for them, and they can continue doing that. But I'm not going to sing like them. I'm going to sing like a young man who's going to war. And hopefully that helps. Hopefully they they like that. Hopefully they appreciate that that I'm not going to force them to sing like me, and you know what? They'll just let me sing like me. 
because I'm going to. I'm going to sing the words like I mean it. I'm going to sing the, the hymns. I'm going to sing the I'm going to sing the glory in excelsis like it's true. Like glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill towards men. We praise you. We bless thee. I should use the these. We worship thee. We glorify thee. We give thanks to thee for thy great glory. That's a lot of powerful words there. The English language has softened them up for us. I choose not to let it be soft. I'm going to sing it with some, some emphasis. I'm going to sing it with some power. I'm going to sing it like I actually mean it. Because I think that's how the English language works. And I'm going to embrace that, not fight it. I'm not going to say, well, we should really just sing it in Latin. No, we have it in English. Let's sing it in English and let's make the English good. Let's make them destroy their own language that they might destroy us. And in so doing, they will, they will show the fact that they can't destroy this language because it is a baseless language. It is a fluid language of such a degree that you cannot undermine it. And so it has endured. And so it continues to conquer because it is so fluid. And if we stand with it, they'll abandon it eventually. They'll abandon it eventually. They'll find something else to say. They'll find, they'll babble. They'll grunt. Anything. But use the words that we have now taken. Word piracy, right? We're going to steal the words from them so that they can't, so if they try to use them, they'll find themselves thinking like we think. Because we just keep, we just won't shut up. And yeah, the television might be louder than us, but really, who watches the television? And if you do, stop. And then you'll think that less people watch TV and you'll be surprised how many do. And you'll be like, wow, you watched the Super Bowl? That's really weird. That's really weird. Why did you do that? Oh, you watched a movie. That's really weird. Why'd you do that? Was it a good movie? I hope it was. Um, we can change the culture by simply standing on what we believe. Because the culture is a myth. There is no singular culture. And buying into a singular culture is a is a falsehood if you think that you're going to buy into that culture that is outside of Christianity. Hold fast your Christianity until that becomes the culture. Don't give it up. Stand strong. If they shoot you down, too bad. There's another Sabaton song called Attack of the Dead Men. And it's about the Russian-German front in World War I. And I'm going to hold up. I'm going I'm to play that one for myself real quick. It's a really good song. And it's powerful. It's really powerful. Oh, there it is. It was the next song on my list. And it's a song about the, the Russians who are assaulting the German position. And the Germans gas them. And they all die. All this massive horde of men dies. And then some of them get up and they charge again. Like, and then they die. And then they have to get shot at. And then they die again. And then some more guys get up and they charge again. Like... There's something in the will of these soldiers who are so determined to defeat the Germans. I, I mean, imagine that. That they that they get up from the gassing and they, they fight on. It's like a chicken with its head cut off. It won't stop. A single-minded determination. Well, here's the thing. It is a pale shadow of what we are. It is a, it is a bad analogy of what we are. It's a historical event. But there's another historical event where men actually rose from the dead. Right? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And then he, he ascended to the heaven to heaven. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he will return to raise us from the dead eternally. In other words, they shoot you down tough because what they've done is given one more body to be raised on the last day and to live with Christ in bliss forever. And that's too bad. So because right now, right now we're standing. On, on the faith, right? We're not fighting. We're not getting up out of the trenches 
to stand for some national pride. We're not getting out for, to, to follow the orders of a, an earthly commander. We need to stand on the truth as declared by our king and lord, the one who rules and reigns over all things, the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron, who breaks them in pieces like a potter's vessel. The king has been set on Zion, the holy hill. He rules all nations. He is lord of all, and he will raise us up in the end. So let us be, therefore, boldly so immortal. Boldly let us stand and fight. Let us not cower in the back or, or fear what others might think of us when we stand strong. Let us not be afraid of the ideas of those who refuse to stand on Christ. Let us pity them. Let us be willing to reprove them, to correct them, to give them the truth. But let us not give them quarter. Let us offend. Let us stand on that stone of stumbling, that rock of offense, that is the foundation, the, the cornerstone of our church. Yes, brothers, let us stand. I get that this probably sounds like a sermon at this point, and I'm just ranting. But this is, this is who I've embraced. This is what I've decided, uh, embraced the identity that I have chosen for myself. And I will not surrender it. My name is Titus James Athanasius Berndt. I am the boldly immortal. And I call you to stand with me till death. Because we will stand again together at the end of days. I look forward to seeing you then.